Right about now, you are listening to the Legacy and Leadership Podcast, a show where we discuss living as a leader worth following, leading others to do the same, and in doing so, leaving a legacy for future generations. My name is Jimmy Gonzalez Jr., a learning and development professional and leadership coach, sitting down with my co-host, Anthony Devon Watts Jr., an expert contact center leader that has effectively led and developed dynamic teams with high motivation. Together, we have over 30 years experience in the corporate game. Join us as we discuss our growth as leaders, share the lessons we've learned, and interview others to see how their leadership style was shaped as they were mentored by adversity. Legacy leaders, hello, 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 hello. Uh, this is episode 16 and our fourth installment of our Mentored by Adversity series. And today uh, we are super excited. <laughs> Excuse me. Why are you going to laugh tomorrow? <laughs> uh, to, have, uh, to have our guest, uh, Ricky Baez, who is owner of uh, Baez Co-Learning and co-host of HR Talk. Uh, and a good friend of ours as well. Uh, yeah. Yes, a, a very great friend. Uh, we've had a great opportunity to know for some time now. So again, uh, we're excited and we're laughing. We already had some conversation pre-recording and uh, <laughs> we, knew, we knew that this was going to be a pretty uh, hilarious and fun episode for us. Don't be um, like that. <laughs> <laughs> expectations way too high there, Jim. Well, at, at, least, at least the beginning part anyway for us. So, yeah, uh, sure. But yeah, in all seriousness, we're definitely excited to have you uh, here with Devon and myself uh, and for our legacy leaders out there. Again, this is the Legacy in Leadership podcast. Uh, if you've been riding with us over the last few episodes, we have been going through uh, our foundational pillars of effective leadership. And we have really, I think we did a pretty good job, Devon, of, of breaking down um, some specific tenets when it comes to employee engagement behaviors, continuous improvement. And in the very last episode, we kind of tie that all together with how do you bring, how do you really bring everything together with integrity, especially when you're talking about being a leader worth following. It is crucial to have uh, just the right type of character and to be somebody that has uh, very high integrity. Uh, so as somebody who is in the HR business, we thought that it would be excellent <laughs> <laughs> to have Mr. Baez come on here and uh, and help kind of tie uh, a really nice bow on these conversations uh, with integrity. But more importantly, man, just to learn about yourself uh, and specifically um, your thoughts on leadership and you know some adversity that you've gone through and how that's shaped uh, the leader that you are today. Um, and yeah, and just hear, like I said, some some more of your stories and maybe some things that we haven't heard about in the past. So um, so having said that, Mr. Baez, how are you doing today, sir? You know what, Jimmy? Um, let me just start off by saying that whenever I make it big and I make a lot of money, I'm going to hire you. Every time <laughs> I walk into a room, I want you to do that intro. Have <laughs> you coming to America that... Uh, yeah. <laughs> King has like somebody throwing out rose petals. Roses petals. I'm gonna have Jimmy just everywhere. Wawa, the barbershop, 7 Eleven. Just have him announce me just like that. <laughs> Thank you. I, I am your hype man. I got you. Absolutely. That's awesome. I'm good, brother, man. I'm good. It's uh, I'm really excited to be here. Seriously. Uh you and I have been talking about this for a long time. Um, and I know you, Devon, and I have talked about, you know, the idea of a podcast and then 
what it's going to be about. So as soon as I found out that this was a thing and look, I'm going to be honest, I've only heard the first two or three. I got to catch up because you know, I got somewhat of a day job. So I <laughs> got to catch up. I'm working from home, so I don't drive anymore. So I don't have time to, you know, yeah. normally I just listen in the car. Right. So that was taken away from me. So um, uh, I'm really excited to be here. And uh, yeah, long time coming, man. Long time. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure, for sure, for sure. I want to say you have, we were laughing about that as well. You have more than just a day job. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I got, I have an addiction. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. I do. I do. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I do have a day job. I do um, HR. I am an HR manager. Um, but on the side, side hustle, I mm -hmm. also have the Biasco Learning, Learning and Development Consultancy firm. I do um, HR consulting, training and development consulting. And my aim is uh, is more so those small to medium sized businesses that need that HR consultancy, but any business would be the HR person who's just coming out, uh, teaching them how to really run the HR office the way it should be run, not the way it has been run in the past 30 years or so. Um, I also teach uh, for Rollins College. I am a, an adjunct professor for the Masters of HR program um, over at Rollins. Go Rollins! We don't have a team. I just <laughs> <laughs> you know nothing. It's a, it's a liberal arts college uh, here in, in uh, Central Florida. Uh, but I do that as well. Um, I am... <laughs> I uh, so on top of the uh, co-hosting of the HR Talk podcast, myself and JC, mm -hmm. uh, uh, he's over in uh, in uh, Buffalo, New York, and uh, he, he and I both run it together. Um, and I'm also the uh, co-owner of Disrupt HR Orlando with my with my business partner Leslie Miserac from Miserac Consulting. Mm -hmm. She's awesome. So yeah, I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, man, it's like you look at your schedule, like, man, I, I really am getting too much sleep. I gotta find something to do. <laughs> what is this? I gotta get that down to one. So one you know, it, it's. Uh, I think it's safe for me to say. And look, all jokes aside, I'm, I'm serious when I say this. I am extremely lucky, extremely lucky to have a job and a career that I truly, truly enjoy. I mean, I would not be investing so much time in my education, following up education and everything else I do in this industry unless I really thoroughly enjoyed it. If I didn't enjoy it, if I did that much work, get me checked. Something is wrong, right? But, <laughs> no, but it's I'm lucky enough to be able to say that without an ounce of a lie. It really is authentic and it's genuine and I really do enjoy what I do. Yeah, for sure, man. What I'm actually really interested in is... Uh you know, uh, kind of knowing a little bit about your, you know, your background um, at, you know, how you were struck with this passion for human resources and employee engagement, um, you know, coming out of, you know, the Marines, like uh, you really don't put those two things together, right? Like when you think about like employee relations in the military, you're like, okay, well, uh, my my hiring manager, the person who's going to fire me, discipline me, as all my commanding officers is one person. It's a one stop shop, <laughs> right? Um, so to put those two things together, like I don't really think you were voted um, coming out of uh, boot camp, you know, as the most likely uh, to display <laughs> empathy <laughs> and give somebody a shoulder to cry on. So so I'm interested about how that transition occurred. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, when you see some somebody from the core, you don't automatically see human resources. Those I blew <laughs> apparently I blew up ideas in the in the business world right now, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? Here's the thing. And and 
I don't think everybody knows this. I don't think you guys know this. Um, I've known you guys for for quite some time, but I share this for the first time on on my podcast on HR Talk uh, a, a few months ago. How I got into human resources, but how I got into the service. Both of them were my by mistake. I never <laughs> planned to join either one. <laughs> No, no, hear me out. Watch this. So, um, in high school, uh, so uh, uh, I went to Evans High School in Orlando, Florida. So, in high school, uh, junior senior year, all these um, recruiters start walking around trying to find, you know, who's my next victim? Who who am I going to pick to go in? And I had this one guy, Sergeant Rodriguez. I think it was Rodriguez or, or Hernandez. I forgot. He kept bothering me. He was from the army. Kept bothering me, bothering me. Hey, Ayes, are you going to join up? Eight, like for like six months, just been on my back. Back then in the mid nineties, we didn't have cell phones, right? So we had the uh, regular phone that you dial um, for all you kids out there. How about there, but you're dating us. <laughs> you know, so, so what happened was after six months, I finally said, "Okay, fine, I'll go meet you." And uh, he was his office was in Hernan Plaza, over by, uh, by by the executive airport. So I go in now. First of all, I don't come from a military family at all right so i don't know what's an army guy what's a navy guy what's an air force guy i don't know anything so anyway i walked into the uh into the office and all the branches are right next to each other right the first one is the corps the second one was the navy then was the air force then was the army me not knowing anything i just went into the first office i saw seriously and i'm serious and i'm like uh hey i'm here to see sergeant hernandez and he's like, they, they just all, they all look at each other like Sergeant Hernandez, like they're like somebody poaching on our students, right? <laughs> so I was like, no, he uh, he told me to come here. I I go to Evans High School. I'm about to graduate. He told me to come here, so I just I'm here. He's like, son, this one's Sergeant Hernandez here, but come on, sit down, and talk to me. Two months later, I'm in boot camp, right? <laughs> no, <seriously. laughs> so I'm like, all right, I like what he had to say. I go to boot camp. Uh, I go to Paris Island, South Carolina. Um, I do the thing there. And uh, let me tell you, uh, the best way I can describe that experience, it's, uh, it's the movie that really did it for me was The Matrix. So you know in The Matrix, when Neo thinks his life is one thing, Next mm-hmm. thing you know, all these things are happening, and they pull the thing out of your head. You're in the matrix. That's exactly what it was. These guys are yelling. I got things happening that I never knew would happen, and we're waking up at 4.30 in the morning being yelled at for three months straight. It was just insane, and it really opened my eyes as to, okay, yeah, this I'm not, I'm not at home anymore. <laughs> right? I did that. I did um, communications, and I ended up in artillery, um, and four years, I got out. I decided to um, to do my um, my uh, uh, bachelor's in, in 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 business management, but before I did that, um, I landed a job as a telecom engineer. This was 1999, 2000. Mm. I landed a job as a telecom engineer, and uh, it was a company called Tel Labs Operations. And what we did, we used to engineer, supervise the installation of the equipment that makes cell phone communications possible, right? I did that. 9-11 happened um, and the bubble bust and I got laid off mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I had to find a job like ASAP. I didn't know what to do and it was 2001. Um, I couldn't find anything, but I knew that I wanted to stay in the communications industry. That's what I did in the service and that's what I wanted to do outside of the service. 
Mm -hmm. um, so I started applying for all these all these companies like IBM, Circuit City, Hewlett Packard, Microsoft, all these big major organizations. So Hewlett Packard is the one I really stuck with. I did what what we call in the recruiting industry today the shotgun approach. Applies for a bunch of different or, or organization. Whoever calls you back, boom, let's go ahead and, and interview. Mm -hmm. So 2001, the end of 2001, I get the uh, the call from Hewlett Packard, and I'm like, all right, I got an interview. Is the only one that actually called me. Uh, so I started researching because back then I was told if you wanted to ace an interview, research research the organization. I'm talking 20 years ago, right? So this is a time where the internet is not as well-defined as it is right now. Cable cable modems weren't a thing yet, right? They were only rich people. So AOL, you know, 14K, you know, just a fax machine sound, and I'm just Googling. Um, and I started to realize that the interview was the next day, and I'm doing this research, and I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't apply for Hewlett Packard. I applied for Hewlett Associates. I have no idea who they are. <laughs> Seriously. I have no idea who they are. So I apply for it and I'm like, I need a job. Right. So I interviewed, I, 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 I go in and, and I remember what my, uh, what one of my platoon sergeants told me right before I got out. He said, Baez, whatever you do, even if you're not sure, be as confident as possible. And the, and, 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 and you will see what kind of results you will get from that. And I'm like, okay, that's stuck in my head. Sergeant Harding said, let's be confident, be confident, be confident. Roger that. I'll go into the interview, into the interview. Lucky me, it was a brand new recruiter and a brand new hiring authority. And I'm like a year and a half out of the Marine Corps. So I was already hyped, right? <laughs> so I, I can get loud. They will ask me a question. I will answer it directly. I will look them right in the eye and then I'll go ahead and just answer a bunch, of, throw a bunch of acronyms at them as 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 confident as possible to project authority right and they're like okay <laughs> just <roll. laughs> i left there so convinced that i was perfect for that job <laughs> that i'm like all right i got it uh three days later they call me and they're like hey um uh we want to offer your job as a benefit specialist for one of our uh, clients verizon wireless well back then it was verizon something else it wasn't verizon wireless back then and I'm like, whoa, okay, so this is happening. It's so, so this is one of those things, right, that you focus so much on what you need to do that you don't stop to think about what could happen in case they say yes, right? <laughs> and I wasn't there yet. And I'm like, oh, my God, so what am I going to do now? So I, just, I was just honest with the guy. I'm like, look, I'm going to be honest. I don't know the first thing about benefits. I don't know the first thing about HR. I, I don't know if I'm the right guy for this job. So I broke down. He's like, no, 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 we'll train you. We'll train you. I'm like, seriously? Yeah, pay training. We got you. All right. Can you start Monday? Sure. Started on Monday. Gave me three months of training, taught me everything I needed to know about benefits. And that's when I opened my eyes about, whoa, I like this. I really like this. And what, what I really enjoyed is um, I, was, I was talking to a bunch of people who were either retirees or about to retire. Mm. And I really enjoy helping them try to understand their benefits. Now, this is way before the Affordable Care Act, right? So it was before it was diluted with all those different rules and regulations. So um, I, I, as soon as I started going down that road, I got the bug. And I'm like, ooh, this is awesome. I did that for a year. Then a position came up to be um, a HR specialist. Applied for it. Got it. 
right? So now I started helping people in the office with their HR stuff. Another position came up, uh, leave management. So now I started doing FMLA and personal leaves and all kinds of things federally and state. Um, and now I really got the bug. That's when I said, all right, let me go to school. I got my GI bills and I got my, my uh, um, uh, bachelor's in business management with a concentration in human resources. Nice. So I stayed there for about four and a half years until my position got outsourced to India. So that got outsourced and I'm like, well, I ain't moving over there. <laughs> I got to find somewhere else to go. And that's when I got the, uh, the uh, position at Orange County government. And I started doing benefits there. And then I got promoted for training and employer relations. And then I got into unions and it just shot up from their senior manager of employer relations for the school board, employer relations manager for Darden restaurants, transform co master. It, it's, it's that's how I got the bug. So when I teach um, HR, when people ask me exactly what you just did, Devon, like, how did you end up in HR? It's, I, I didn't. It, it's that career picked me. I mean, think about it. I mean, what person in the right mind would say, when I grow up, I want to be HR? Who does that? <laughs> Nobody knows what that is until later on in life, either you're involved in the hiring process or you're being investigated. And that's your probably your, your uh, HR. <laughs> But that, but, but that's how I got into it. I got there by mistake. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, you're right. It's not like, uh, you're like, man, that investigation. I mean, I lost my job, but it was really cool. I think I want to do that in the future. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what I appreciate about that, though, right, just kind of um, hear your story and you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you're at is I admire the level of um, integrity, to be honest with you, that it took to you got to offer in front of you. Right. Like, especially when you think about like the market crash you're desperate, right? You need to find something. This is the first person that called you back. You did the shotgun approach. You you went in there and you were overconfident and just answered directly and they extended the offer. And it's very easy in that moment to just kind of keep that overconfidence going, right? And But you actually stopped and you were like, hey, look, man, I got to be honest with you. I love the opportunity, but I don't know the first thing about how to do this effectively. Um, I think that speaks that just speaks volumes about your character. I think certain those certain attributes, like uh, especially from an integrity perspective, is something that you just carry with you consistently in life. Like you may not have had everything together, like none of us do, yeah. right? But in a moment where your character can really come through and shine, like that's you expose your character. Like, hey, I'm gonna be real with you. Like, I'm ready to learn and I'm excited, but I don't know jack squat about what we're about to get into, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, um, I, th I think that's a pr pretty cool to hear, man. Well, thank you know, and and I got that from the core because I I got to tell you one of the things they really beat into you is just just integrity, how you act when nobody's looking, right? And you know, while you're going through the boot camp and while you're going through all those different things that you experience in the Marine Corps, you don't really think about how valuable that is until later on in life when you start to appreciate it. Just like growing up, right? Once you grow up. You don't realize the heartaches you're giving your parents growing up with your antics, uh, but you don't you don't begin to appreciate that until a you're going through it yourself as a parent, <laughs> or b Facts. Um, you are you 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 start to realize what your parents went through. So same thing here, right? I didn't realize how that was in, ingrained in me until that one moment because I did, look. The last thing I want to do is mis is misrepresent myself. Right. And I didn't want to start that that career 
you know, just on the wrong foot. But right. thankfully, they were like, no, we got you. We'll train you. We just like how confident you were. I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, yeah, I bring that all the time. All right, Sergeant Harding. Good job. Yeah, thanks, Sergeant. He's right. I got hired. The but the thing I appreciate, like even you kind of bringing up the fact that like the core really instilled that in you, like kind of the importance of integrity. Right. Um, and I know even from my father, my father, um, as you know, served um, army, not core. Right. So I know y'all got passive aggressive beefs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, sorry, I forgive him. It's not his fault. He couldn't, he couldn't cut it. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, but what I appreciate about um really just kind of that military discipline, that military upbringing, right, is the way that they instill not just um, integrity for yourself, but the integrity or the uh, the accountability of your peers, right? Like the accountability of, of you know, your, your bunk mates, of, of your fellow corpsmen, like to the, to the extent that <clears throat> you're being held to a standard, you're being held to a high standard, a certain standard of integrity by the same people that you serve with. So you don't need, you know, drill sergeant or gunny, right. Um, to, to check you, right. Because your bunk mate is going to check you first, They'll check you. Absolutely. right. They'll check you first. And, um, so I, I just admire that because that's definitely a skill set that, um, is scarce. Um, when you talk about like the, the private sector, right. Um, and you can tell the mark of people who come from that uh, that background of high accountability because they carry them carry it with themselves uh, once they make the transition. Well, you know, here's to me personally what 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 really is a motivator. Now, look, I I I strive to do the best. I strive to be as transparent as possible. I can always be transparent with my job, right? But I'm I'll never lie. I'm I'm never going to tell you something that's not. I'll just say I can't tell you. I'd rather say that and be genuine than lie and say, no, I don't know. Yes, I do know, whatever the case may be. So quick story on that. Um, actually, before I go into that story, um, I think that the people who hold you accountable the most, and they don't even know it, it's not necessarily the people you serve with, it's the people who report to you. So when you're leading a team, you, you, you have to understand what kind of shoes you're filling because these folks are looking at everything you're doing every single thing you're doing and whatever you do whatever you put out there um they 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 take it in if you put out crap they're going to be crappy um employees if you put out quality product they're going to be a quality employee i remember a long time ago and devon you know this story i was conducting an investigation right it was a drug related investigation and somebody admitted to me that they were doing specific kinds of drugs in, a, in the investigation right now Normally, normally I would just flat out say, look, just be careful because whatever you tell me, I have to investigate. And, and this happened a while ago, but I have my subordinate in there with me and she was watching. And so what am I going to do? Right. So I have to act on it. Now, I didn't like acting on it. Right. Because one thing had nothing to do with the other. But at the end of the day, it was a policy violation. Right. But because my employee was there, not that I was going to do something different, but that was just a good check and balance for me that the reason I did what I did with that specific situation and actually pulled the trigger to take some action because of what they've admitted to me, I, I just had to do it because that person was there. Now, what is integrity? Integrity is you doing the same thing whether that's, that, that that person is there or not. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, I, to be honest, I would not have done anything differently, but more so because she was there, my associate was there, I have to set a really good example. Um, so... 
I hear what you're saying about your bunkmates and the people who are serving with you. But I think more importantly, the people who look up to you, the people who report mm. to you, you got to do it for them because they're watching every single thing you're doing. Every oh, single well thing. Yeah, well said. Well said, man. Well said. No, I mean, that, that definitely fits in, you know, part of right the premise of, of what we like to talk about is how do you become a leader worth following? But then how do you develop other people to do the same? And as leaders, you know, we, we kind of talk about being in the fishbowl and it is very important from an integrity standpoint to make sure you're always doing the right thing, whether people are watching or not. But, you know, as a leader, people are watching. They're observing what you're doing. They're observing how you're going to react in certain situations. And especially when it comes to the people on your team that you're trying to mentor, you're trying to groom, you're trying to develop, that you always show them the right response, you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah, definitely an important uh, aspect to think about. Really quick, man, you mentioned and even before you said it, I was in my mind, like, I, I will be remiss if I did not say uh, you are from Evans, alumni of Evans High School. Trojan. Go Big Green. <laughs> um, so you are the second guest that we've had on uh, as one of our guests for our Mentor by Adversity. Uh, our second episode, we had Judge Laurent, Gisela Laurent, who's also an Evan alum. Um, so yeah, I'm just proud of our school, man. I'm proud of us yeah, representing for Evans High School. So, so you know, Trojans. That makes me sad because two. Evans put out some quality folks. Why not fifty? Well, Seriously, I'm just two. We're just we're, we're just getting started. I mean, oh, this oh, is okay. this is episode sixteen. So, <laughs> I have fifty and fifty. Okay, I <laughs> nah, man. Evans Evans was a good time, man. Evans. Uh, for those of you who who listen, don't know the Central Florida area. Evans is a notorious school for football. I, at least back then, they had in the early nineties a phenomenal football program. We were awesome. Yes, were. Yeah, it's still pretty good now. But th- <laughs> those were. I mean, we're talking about championship days uh, in yeah in the early a bit nineties. Yeah, so. yeah, it was fun. It, I mean, Evans is a uh, different school now because I know uh, when I graduated from there, it was a completely different school. And 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 where it is, you know, Silver Star over in and 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 Pine Hills. You and I grew mm-hmm. up in that area. Yeah. Um, but um, when I worked as a senior employee relations manager. Um, uh, for for Orange County Public Schools, I went back to Evans, and I'm like, let me see who's still around. There was some teachers still around, and I'm like, oh my god, this person's still here, that person's still there, but it's a completely different school. They put they they, they pumped a lot of money into it, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm definitely proud. Love that school. So all right, you got to keep that going, there, Jim. We, we will keep that going, uh, but yeah, I'm just I'm proud of that fact uh, as well. So, um, you mentioned your team, man. So I, I wanted to ask, you know, the question. Um, as a leader and even just hearing, you know, kind of the background of how you, you fell into the Marines and, and how you kind of fell into uh, the realm of HR, as you were going through those different scenarios and, and learning and just kind of growing, you know, yourself as a person, where was that moment that you knew or you kind of felt that within the Marine Corps, within HR, but really that central component of leadership, like that that was your calling, was to, to not just be in HR, but to be a leader within that space. So it's not something that happened. It's something I witnessed or something I didn't witness, right? Um, in the Marine Corps, obviously, there's a different kind of leadership. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you applied Marine Corps leadership to the HR world, I'll be sued, fired, and arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And and you know what? And here's here's 
look, I love the time I served. I served with some amazing people. I got some brothers out of it. Um, I have more brothers that are not blood related than are. Right. And and actually, JC, JC, the uh, the the co-host of the HR Talk podcast, he and I served together. That's how he and I met. Right. Um, but it, it's uh, when I got out, it was really tough because I was 22 years old and my exposure to leadership is something that only works in a military or paramilitary outfit. Something that I have decided at that time I wasn't going to pursue. I wanted to do other things, not bigger and better, just other things. Um, and I had to really take a step back and figure out, it's easy to say, Ricky, just reset, reset. How? Right? I had to take a step back and figure out how to reset. And I didn't have a mentor. Um, that's why I'm big on, on mentorships. Google wasn't as prevalent as it is right now. So there wasn't much for me to go off of. I mean, what, go to the library? Good luck with that. <laughs> so how can I research um, how, what leadership traits to apply? Um, so I had a hard time with that. When I was leading a group of 25 installers in, the, um, um, in uh, Telabs, and one, of them, and one of them mouthed off at me, I just grabbed them by the collar, instinct. And somebody grabbed me, pulled me aside. Yes, it, Devon knows his story, right? <laughs> somebody <laughs> grabbed me, pulled me aside. I was 20, 20, 22 years old. What did I know, right? Lucky me back then, that leader said, this is, I don't know where the hell you think you are. You don't do that here. Thank God for him saying that and not firing me. Because to be honest, mm. if I was the HR person, I would have fired me, right? Not firing me and just kind of guiding me back to, hey, you need to reset and recalibrate what your thought process is when it comes to being a leader. These guys don't respond to that. You came from that environment. Fine. These folks don't respond to that. You need to reassess. Send me home for a week reassessed came back completely different all right let me figure out how this works let me talk to these guys let me win their hearts and mind 9-11 hits forget their hearts and minds i'm not there anymore i got to do something else right but it, to be honest guys it wasn't until i started working for the county orange county and um uh, <laughs> i'll say it i i learned quite a bit there's people who learn by reading and understanding what's happening and there's other people who learn by watching a train wreck and you mm -hmm. just mapping out in your mind, you're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. The county was full of train wrecks. Mm -hmm. And I learned there quite, it's, I learned there that either I become this type of a leader or I have to work hard not to do what I just witnessed. I'm not going to go into details because it's they're not here to talk about it. But um, what I have seen, my personal experiences, has really pushed me to the back and just reassess what I thought a leadership is supposed to be. No, a, a true leader is supposed to be. And I thought it was supposed to be just always look strong, never, never say I don't know. Right. And to be honest, that doesn't work right now. What works right now is people have to see you as a human being. It's perfectly okay to be vulnerable and it's perfectly okay not to have all the answers, but you have to influence and you have to inspire. And that's what works. And that's something that I just wasn't seeing in that organization. And that kind of pushed me to be, look, if I, when I get to where this person is, I'm not going to do that. And that's what got, got me going down that rabbit hole of what it, what it is to be a true leader, which is not just telling people what to do, but it's at the end of the day, Come on, folks. When it comes to be a leader, you're a cheerleader. That's what you are. 
you are cheerleading the right motives, the right attitudes to the right people to kind of influence them to do the right things for whatever you need them to do for that goal. That's what you are and that's what you need to do. So to me, that, that, that pivot point for me was what I didn't see, what I wanted to see as a leader, but I saw this big train where then I'm like, that's not going to happen to me. So I started going down the other route. I hope that answered your question. I'm sorry. No, that was good. That was really good. Yeah. Any, any thoughts, Devon, on that? Um, well, yeah, it, it just, again, kind of what we wanted to accomplish, keep tying it back to uh, integrity. It, you know, when I'm listening to Ricky kind of talk through it, it's it's the self-awareness, right? It's the self-awareness, right, that, that really comes to the forefront or comes to mind. Just being able to observe and learn from others, um, again, what works and what does not work. Yeah. Um, and then also I would say the... Um, you know, the transparency, right? Like, you know, when you got pulled to the side uh, <laughs> after uh, having a knee jerk reaction, yeah. right? Just instinct acting off of instinct um, and, you know, kind of got told about yourself and given the space to breathe and assess, right? Like you really, you, you had a choice, right? You had a choice. You could reset or you could move on. There, there's, there's a lot to respect about that. Like to me, the most interesting part is that seven days, that seven days where you weren't working and it was you and that reflection process and that coming to grips with who I am. And okay, I have to, what do, who do I want to be? Who am I? Who am I? Who do I want to be? What do I need to fix? All of that takes a high level of integrity, a high level of self-awareness to come out the other end of that seven days and say, yeah, I was doing, I was, I was doing it all wrong, yeah. right? I need to do something different. Um, now, obviously, you know, the universe didn't let, um, you know, that journey kind of continue to bear fruit because obviously other things happen, right? Yeah. But to know that that moment, you know, is something that you carry with you, you know, years later, right, right, twenty years later, um, you know, with you and has really formulated your your perspective on leadership and. You learning, hey, look, I, even I, at one point, I did it wrong, <laughs> right? Um, I, I think it's powerful, man. I think it's super dope. So here, here's, here's something that I really want the listeners to really take away, right? Um, he didn't yell at me. He spoke loudly, but he didn't yell at me. He, he, he's, he spoke to me, right? So that's when I learned also that it's not how you deliver a message. It's just as important as to value the message itself. Right. Because he could have yelled at me. He could have sent me to HR. He could have fired me in the spot. But he's like, what are you doing? I mean, he looked me dead in the eye. He was genuine. I, so I don't know if you guys can tell, but, you know, it, it's when somebody's talking to you, you can tell when they're BSing you. But you can tell when they're like, wow, this is this is coming from the heart. Right. So he just looked me in the eye. I was like, what are you doing? Because like, because I was just really mad, really upset. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm fired. I'm going to have to go, you know, go to Circus City and go back. To, you know, it's just fine on a uh, uh, Hewlett Packard or something, right? <laughs> before that, but um, he he looked at me. He sincerely, genuinely cared for me. And that's one thing that I I didn't see much of. Now, in the Marine Corps, there is caring, believe it or not, right? <laughs> because the, uh, the it, look, the core is easy, right? All you have to do is do exactly as you're told as quickly as possible. That's it, right? <laughs> and the two missions is mission accomplishment and troop welfare. So the care was there, but the way he did it, what he didn't do, he didn't turn me in, I guess I can call it that. He gave me that shot. And you're right, Devon, those seven days I had to take, you know, take a step back and reassess. So what do I do? 
do I do I show how macho I am or do I come back and recalibrate on what I need to do? Because what I've been taught the past four years is just not going to work out here. And mm. again, he, here's the L word again. I'm lucky because I, I was able I was given that opportunity and I took a step back and I was able to be self-aware. Not everybody can do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh, I'm lucky enough to be given that opportunity and I'll be damned if I'm going to let that just lie in and put mm -hmm. whatever he did for me. And he doesn't even know the, the trajectory that 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 took me because that right there told me, Ricky, this is not going to work here. Reassess, go to school, do this, do that. And that's where I'm at today. And next thing you know, 20 years later. Here I am saying I love HR. I drink the Kool-Aid guy. <laughs> <laughs> definitely did drink it. I mean, I better. I mean, I got it, it's mm -hmm. spent all this time in training. I teach it. I got it, it. Look, one of the things you ask is like, it just tell me about you. And I told you all these different things of everything that I do. And if there's one thing I'm an expert in is time management. Mm. Because on top of, of those other things that I told you that I do, I'm also a husband. I'm a father. And I got it. They're not work. Right. But right. it takes time and effort to cultivate that relationship. So um, and, and, and you have to become a, in a, a time management expert and it comes easy to you when the things you're managing, you truly, truly enjoy and have a passion for. Absolutely. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And okay. it's me. No, those are all, you know, roles that we play in our life, right? Those are obviously two very important, probably the most important roles in your life. Um, not having heard that story and, you know, knowing what I know about you and have observing you working closely with you over the last four years or so is the grace that you were shown in, in that moment and how you've paid that forward in other situations. Um, I just think that that's, that's powerful as well. And, you know, when you talk about leadership, and we, we talked about this, Devon and I, last week, you know, he was talking about um, his uncle, Eddie, that passed away and the, the stories that people told about him. And you just never know how something that you can do or a message that you can provide to somebody 20 some odd years ago, like you said, how can, it really can change the trajectory of their life and you not even know it. Um, but here we are still talking about, you know, that individual who, who provided that message. Um, and obviously in my mind, they saw something in you, though. Yeah. They saw something in you and knew, you know what? Yeah, I probably could fire this person, let him go. But you know what? He deserves this opportunity. And again, with that grace, you've been able to pay that grace forward over time. Absolutely. And 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 now it's crazy because I didn't make that connection till now. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, it's I, I really did not. Um, so it, it's the way I lead my teams. And it, it, it's 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 hard to explain now. Um. I let them run the show. Seriously, I let them run the show. And you guys have seen how I work with my team because um, I'm in the camp that if I hire somebody for a skill set, it's because I have a need on my team that I don't have, a skill set that I need that I don't have that I'm willing to pay for, hence why I'm hiring somebody. If I bring somebody in and I'm constantly over their shoulder, I'm constantly um, micromanaging them, I'm just wasting my time, I'm wasting my money, I'm wasting their time, and I'm making their life miserable. Just So what I do, when, when I, I get to a new team, the first thing that I do, before I start barking out orders and learning policy is learn them. Get to know them as a human being. And it took me a long time to figure that piece out. That piece didn't get to me until my last years at the county. 
my last year's at the county. It's it's uh and it hit me because I um I was invited. <laughs> so being in HR, right? Uh, you tend to be as a guy, you tend to be the minority, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think there was something in the water, but I think it was October. I forgot what year. And I was at my 20th baby shower at the county. I don't know. I knew all the games already. And I'm like, all right, we got to measure the belly. All right, we we, we got to smell the diaper and figure out what kind of chocolate that is. I'm <laughs> but it's, uh, in, in that last year, when I started seeing how people, they were upset with each other at work. But for some reason, food and all these activities kind of brought them together. And for small half hour in the day, they forgot about all the issues at work. And one has got nothing to do with the other, but that, that's when the light bulb went off in my head. And I'm like, we need to focus more on the H and HR, because this is it right here. Everybody having a good time, forgetting about work, because, yeah, they're at work. They're upset about things that happened earlier in the day, but we're having a good time. We got cake. Don't know why this is the 20th pregnancy over here. Something's wrong <laughs> the water. Something's happening here, right? But I've been to way too many baby showers than I care to count. Um, but it, it's, it's, I saw something in people genuinely having a good time. More importantly, when they got back to work, I saw a pep in the step that I just, you just don't see beforehand. And that's when it hit me. Focus on the age factor. Focus on the human side of it. Get to know your associates. Get to know your employees. Because if they can see that that leader that they look at you as a leader, they look at you as a boss, they're able to see that you're, you have the capacity to be a compassionate human being, you'd be surprised what they'll do for you, especially if they start aligning. If you start aligning your goals to their goals and they're interchangeable, man, that is gold. So to me, that was a catapult on how I treated every other team ever since then, the H. No, man, that's, you know, that's, no, 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 no. That's awesome, man. I'm just marinating on what you what you were sharing because I'm taking notes, bro. Yeah, like there's there's a lot, bro. And uh, I appreciate just you know kind of hearing you talk because it just validates the decision we made to have you on board and really kind of put an end cap to this series we've been doing. Like you're hitting on so many notes about integrity, man. Just from the the conversation. Um, that he had with you and you talked about how he delivered it. Right. Well, one of the things we touched on about integrity is, you know, that, you know, um, a leader with high integrity is able to speak truth, but do so in a respectful manner. Right. You talked about, you know, having to uh, check your ego after having the seven day break. Mm-hmm. Right. And then coming back. Right. And we talk about the fact that a leader with high integrity has humility. Right. And then how you carry that grace forward and how, um, you know, you make sure that, because I, I can attest to this, you are highly transparent um, in your communication. But again, it it's still always done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some people, yeah, some people say too much. Like, man, Ricky, come on, man. Uh, um, but again, every sing, every single time, it's done with um, the utmost respect. And you and I have actually been involved in um, some difficult uh, discussions with folks where we've impacted their employment. Um, and again, you know, just the the H. That, like you overemphasize on leading, you know, in that H area of just the human aspect of it, whether we're furloughing people or we had to do mass layoffs or um, somebody, you know, express something that we have to take action on, or, you know, even, even on the flip side where somebody is literally um, has, you know, cussed us out from A to Z has done wrong by the organization has done extremely unethical stuff. And we, you know, you still find the grace to communicate 
from a human perspective and a compassionate perspective, um, you know, despite what they may be giving us back, man. So um, it's just awesome to kind of see the behind the scenes of what led you to be the type of uh, leader that, that you are, that I know you to be. So this is awesome, bro. Thank you. Uh, and, and if I can add one thing for the listeners out and look, it, it's, it's, I know if we would have had this show 10, 15 years ago, I would have been in a suit. I would have, I wouldn't have, <laughs> I am HR. I, it took me, it took me some hard, hard. And I mean, hard meditation and thinking about where I wanted to take this HR career. Right. And the reason um, I look, the reason I'm having a beer with you guys, well, I'm having the beer. I don't know what you guys are having, but I'm having the beer talking about HR and not worrying about how I come across is because I, I do believe in being authentic. And, and that's, it, that's something that's easier said than done. And for mm-hmm. the longest time, I was following the money. And, and I got it. I just was not happy at all. I was not happy. You know, I got to Darden. The money was really good. Um, but, he, but here's the thing. Um, it hit me while I was there that a lot of people, especially when I started conducting interviews, especially when I started seeing people that in an interview, it's amazing how everybody in an interview all talks and feel the same way about everything. Why? Because they're putting on a show, right? They're leading with the best foot forward. And then you find out who they really are six months later. Now you have issues. So I decided a long time before I started working over with uh, with uh, you guys, I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I'm, I'm not going to put on that facade anymore. I'm just going to go out there and be me. I'm going to show what I can do. And if it works, awesome. If, if, if it doesn't, oh, well. But here's the thing. Um, the people who hire you because of how true you came across – that is the organization that you're going to spend the most time in because you were honest from the get-go versus you putting a facade. And then six months later, you get comfortable. Like, that's not the person I hired. Mm. Now, I started doing that, and I lost a lot of interviews that way. And it took my wife to see from, from the outside looking. And that's why everybody needs their rock, right? And she's my rock. So it took her to come back and say, you know what? So, so what if you didn't get it? So you wasn't going to be happy there anyway because they're not hiring you for you, right? They're declining you for you. So do you really want to go there? And I'm like, Shit, that makes sense. I almost said, mm-hmm. sorry. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I'm getting into it. You know what, babe? You're 100% right. That makes sense. The next interview was over at uh, where, uh, where I met you guys. Guys, I went in there, and I did not have a care in the world how i'm talking to you right now is exactly how i interviewed right and it was with the gm the two ops manager and the uh, senior director of hr and i went in and i just started talking how i talk right now i was me i was authentic but when it came time to talk about hr and what my thought process in hr they were like whoa okay that makes sense uh one of the things that i uh that i told them about because one of them asked me hey ricky what is what is your idea of human resources? If you can have a magic wand and make the human resources something, what do you think it is? And I think they were expecting me to say, oh, follow policy, procedures, things like that. No. I flat out said, have you seen The Godfather? She was like, okay, yeah. All right. So The Godfather, Don, Don Corleone, is in charge of this humongous crime family, 
right? He's got a consiglietti, Tom Hagen, mm-hmm. right? Everybody here knows who Tom Hagen. Yeah, yeah. And they, they have no idea where the hell I'm going with this. Right? <laughs> the uh, the other two OMs are like this, just looking like, what in the, what is he talking about? And I told him, look, whenever the Godfather wants to do a hit on the other families or get into a, a, a new vis- a, a new business, he never ever does so without consulting with the consiglietti. What the consiglietti does is he gives the Godfather the options, several options. And he, he, he comes up with those options as if that is his crime family. But he has to remember that at the end of the day, whatever the Godfather chooses is the Godfather's crime family. You're the advisor. So I told that person, I'm like, you're the godmother. I'm your consiglietti. I'm here <laughs> to tell you what you should or should not do. But at the end of the day, it's your call. Right. But before we do that, you and I are going to build a relationship so tight that we're going to be in this room. When you say, hey, Ricky, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to say, if you want a law named after you in five years, go ahead and do that because you're going to get yourself in trouble and we can hash it out right there in that office. But once we hash it out, we walk out that door. We're a team because at the end of the day, this is your business and I am your HR consultant. My job is to make sure you stay out of trouble and you make money in the process. So they were all like, what in the the look, <laughs> I'm thinking ah, I lost this one too. <laughs> I lost this one too. They were so shocked because hey, I I dropped a couple of f bombs in there, right? And 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 by the way, that's a no go, folks. That's a no go. Don't it, just because it worked out for me, it doesn't mean it's going to work out for you. <laughs> so next thing you know, I'm driving home, and uh, at that point in time, that recruiter was in Texas, so he called me. And he's like, Ricky. What happened in there? <laughs> and I'm like, I know, I didn't get it. What you? They want you to start tomorrow. So can you start tomorrow? I'm like, oh, wow. So that's how, and look, and, I, and I'm still there. So what does mm-hmm. that tell you? Right? So I guess what I'm saying is, is that don't be afraid of being authentic. Don't be afraid of showing people your true colors. There's nothing wrong with showing true colors, Right? Because if you, especially being in human resources, right? And, and Devon and I, it's, 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 we've had a lot of conversations that I'm like, dude, we can't go that route. And here's why we can't go that route. But I'm not going to leave them like that, right? Because mm-hmm. what I would say is we can't go that route. Where do you want to go? Over there? Okay, here's what we need to do, right? So another uh, analogy when it comes to human resources, a lot of people think that human resources is the cop, trying to find somebody and put him in jail, right? I look at it differently. I look at it as, look, you want to go from Miami to New York as quickly as possible, right? I'm going to be the cop that's going to show you how to get there under the speed limit and not get in trouble. I'm not looking to get you in trouble. I'm looking to get you to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And that right there is how I've built, I'm proud in building the relationship that I have because it's, especially in, in HR, uh, there's a huge misconception. You know what? No, I'll take it back. I'll take it back. Not a misconception. There is a huge black eye that the 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 industry has because they've got that horrible stigma, the horrible reputation of being the ones that always throws the monkey wrench into the machine. Right? When somebody has an idea. They're like, oh, let's see what HR has to say. And here they come telling them how many different ways they can get in trouble. And that creates friction, right? And that doesn't build relationship. That doesn't build a partnership. But what if I go in there and I, and I just find out how they tick, 
how you tick. Do you like coffee? What kind of coffee do you like? How many kids you got? Do you like Sons of Anarchy? Do you like Star Wars? No, I'm freaking quitting because I'm not going to work for somebody who doesn't like Star Wars, right? <laughs> I'm a Star Wars guy. Uh, oh, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, if if you build those relationships first, again, focusing mm -hmm. on, on, on the human aspect in HR, um, there's, there's nothing that can get in the way to break that relationship. And you'd be surprised how people go from let's get HR involved to see what they say from that to, you know what, let's see what HR has to say about that to get that, 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 that vested interest. So being authentic folks, let me tell you, it's harder than it looks. It's harder than it sounds. It will cost you some relationships. It will cost you some opportunities. If you're mad about that, you have to take a step back and, and assess how important it's being authentic to you. Hmm. If you're thinking that you're going to lose a lot of valuable relationships because of it, so to me, it, it it's it's been a godsend for the past eight years. It really has. Yeah, well, I love the fact that um, you know, you kind of talk about being authentic, how it's led to some powerful partnerships, and uh, again, even predating me, but us being able to work together. I think the clearest example of that, to be honest with you, is the fact that. Um, you know, we haven't had a reason to work together, right, for almost a year now. Um, and would, you know, this is something we do in our leisure as a hobby, right, um, from a podcast perspective. And for me, somebody in operation, I'm getting a check for this. No, 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 no. It'll be in the, it'll, it'll be in the mail. Write it off. <laughs> <laughs> no, write it off. Don't you guys uh, have, uh, you know, um, free work that you do pro bono you can claim or something? I'm, all, I'm, I'm all out. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, I, I think there's a there's a story to be told um, about just kind of the type of partner you are when you have uh, a former operations partner that says, well, shit, you know, I want to hang out on a on a Tuesday and chop it up and and, and do a podcast. Yeah. Let me call my HR partner, my former HR partner. Let's Who just hang that? out. <laughs> Nobody does that. <laughs> no, zero. Zero people do. Yeah. Most people I think most people I in do. operations are looking at me like, hold on, hey, you like you wanted to get your, your former HR partner on the phone? Like, yeah, man. We got a bad stigma. I mean, I'm telling you, that field has a bad stigma. And and I gotta tell you, I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say we don't the that it's not the deserved. It is. I'm 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 sorry, it is. And the reason I'm I, I love the opportunity that I get to teach either a young student, a young, a young uh, worker or a retired one who just wants to get into HR um, uh, over over at Rollins is the opportunity that I get to compare and contrast, especially for the people who retired and they just want to go to school because they're bored. Their view of HR is the old way. Mm. Right. And the new folks coming in, and by, by new folks, I mean people who just finished their bachelor's or they got out of the military, just finished their, their bachelor's, and now they're going into, into the master's program. They don't know HR very well. So here I am showing them the foundation of human resources. And you got you to gotta see the looks I get whenever I tell them you don't want to be an HR professional that knows the business. That's not what you want to be. You want to be a business owner that just happens to know HR. And that is how you're going to get that seat at the table. Because if the higher up you go in an organization, the more of the language of numbers that you have to learn. And as an HR pro, you have to know how to speak that numbers language. Because if you don't know how to do that, you're not going to get invited to, 
to, to that table, much less them asking you for advice. They'll ask you for advice to check a box so they don't get in trouble in case they get sued. HR said, yeah, right? So that's not what I want, right? Uh, so I'm building, it. what I wanna put out there, guys, is from a human resources perspective. And I know this is a leadership show, not an HR show. Sorry about that, right? I, I didn't hand in hand on that. Um, it's, it's that focus on that H, focus on that partnership, and everything else you do in the organization will fall in line to where it needs to be. Focus on those two things. Once you do that, everything else is easy peasy. And I, I'm a living testament to that. Mm. Mm. I mean, everything that you've been talking about falls right in line with, with leadership. Uh, and, and again, it, it's... Uh, we mentioned this, man, you know, uh, Devon and I were both provided the word that it doesn't necessarily matter the widget, right? Or the product in the end, we're all in the business of people. And when you talk about putting, you know, the human focusing on the human part of human resources, again, you're putting people first. And when you do that and you realize that it's not about you, that it's about others, it's about how your decisions impact others, how you're able to develop and help others. And, and be that that guide and that consultant and helping people ultimately get to where they want to be. And, and you mentioned influencing earlier. I mean, those are all critical components of just being a strong leader. And again, being a leader that is worth following as opposed to being one that you know can influence, but you're influencing people in in the wrong way or in unethical ways and immoral ways. So and Everything that you've been talking about falls right. And we're line. human, right? Because you are going to make those mistakes. And the worst thing, yeah. the biggest mistake you can do in making a mistake is not admitting it, right? It, it, it's because that shows. Look, it's you. You started off the show talking about integrity, right? And 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 you know what integrity is. I know what integrity is. But the reason that's such a strong word because it's needed today, right? Why do we say it so much? Because it's needed. Why is it needed? Let's ask, why do people feel compelled to lie? Think about it. Why? When an employee lies to you, when somebody lies to you at work, why do they feel compelled to lie? You got to take a step back and really think about that, right? Because it's not just because, I mean, they could be a pathological liar, but I'm not assuming that, right? <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that if, if, if you have employees that are afraid to tell you the truth, you have employees that are afraid to tell you they mess up. You gotta take a step back and figure out why that fear is there. Are you creating a culture to where they feel that fear? Or are you creating a culture that's open and inviting and people are not afraid to say they messed up and let's learn from this. So every time you feel somebody's not telling you the truth or they're BSing you, you gotta take a step, take a step back and ask yourself, why do they feel compelled to do so? And if it's something you can do about it, I mean, yeah, address the lying, address that issue. But if there's something you can do about that culture, it is up to you as the leader. You do have the burden of that responsibility to take a step back and reassess what that culture really is. Because let me tell you, folks, and, 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 and we were talking about this a little bit before the, uh, the, uh, the show started. If you create a culture to where employees feel comfortable coming to you because they messed up. If you create a culture where employees feel okay, feel comfortable in speaking up, I guarantee if another organization down the street dangles $10,000 a year more, they're going to say no. 
Why? Because they find the culture you have created there is just that much more valuable. Some people realize it right away. Some people don't. Some people leave, forget him. They're like, oh, this sucks. And they come right back. We've seen it, right? We have seen it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's you do have that responsibility when somebody lies or now, look, I tell my team all the time, right? If you mess up and you know about it, I better hear from you first. I better hear from you first. You tell me first, not because I want to catch it, because I want to catch it early and let's sit back. Let's talk about it. What what happened here? What happened there? My biggest power player, you guys know her, my biggest power player right now. She's made many mistakes, right? But she's told me, hey, boss, I did this. What happened today? No, yesterday. What happened yesterday? And she made me laugh because she's like, have you had your coffee yet? No. Call me back when you do. I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) what happened? (laughs) And if you put something in it, I'm not going to say anything. I'm like, oh, my God. I don't want to know what happened here. No, but but we have that relationship, right? And But it doesn't mean that you give people a free pass neither, right? Because if if people don't learn, because it is your responsibility to teach them how to do it right and learn from that mistake. You have that responsibility. If they keep making the mistake over and over and over again, you got to have a completely different conversation, right? And you and you do have mm-hmm. to address that. But what I'm saying is, as a leader, you have the responsibility to create that culture where people are not afraid to tell you exactly what's going on. Trust me, it'll benefit you in the long run, and you're going to have employees that are going to bend over backwards for you. I've seen it. Uh, Ricky's been dropping bars and nuggets like the entire conversation, man. I, I was, was going to say, yeah, for our, our legacy leaders out there talking about mining, um, I mean, it's, it's not hard to find all the nuggets that he's been dropping. And I'm, I'm just even I'm taking a look at my notes from the last three episodes that we've done. He just mentioned culture, talking about employee development. Uh, we talked about, you know, um, humility and self-awareness, you know, having sound judgment. I mean, just everything that we've been discussing, again, not just the last podcast, but the last three uh, episodes, definitely Ricky has has touched upon uh, a lot of I'm those, glad people look at me. Tenets. If they look at just a video, they're like, he is not an HR. I wanted to say that too, you know, to, to our folks out there listening uh, that, you know, maybe find themselves as recruiters or in the HR space. Um, Hopefully, if if you weren't already there, like, you know, just listening to you and and watching you gives gives them hopefully a different look and a a different appreciation for the space that you're in. And you can be yourself. Like you said, you can be authentic and still carve out a niche for yourself as a human resources professional. And you've done that. I mean, you're a teacher. uh, So you live it. You teach it. You breathe it. uh, And you you embody what that means for you and what that means to you. And, and I, that's just empowering, man. People, you know, get so caught up in trying to be like other people. And you've definitely, from the stories that you've told us, man, it's, you know, it's been that that journey of really figuring out who you are and again, how, how you fit uh, into this space and not even how you fit into how you made it your own. You know, how you've made it your own and how you've lived it out. Uh, so I, I appreciate that because, you know, there's definitely I've known some things. But, yeah, there's some stories that I didn't know uh, that I was just I was happy to. No, but serious talk, man. I was happy to <laughs> to learn about, um, you know, during during this conversation. Can I, can um, I jump on something real quick? Sir? Yeah, go ahead. That, that you just said. This your, is your podcast, bro. Get it. Let me rephrase that. It's your episode. It's powerful, right? And in don't find your space. Make your space. 
Exactly. When you buy a house, you make it your own. When you get a car, you customize it to make it your own. It's the field you're in is no different, right? Um, you have to make it your own because if you go out there trying to emulate somebody else and look, um, I'm like this right now when I do my disrupt HR presentations in school everywhere. And some people have told me, I'm going to do things just like you. No, <laughs> you will get fired. Right? I don't know how I haven't been. You will get you fired. Will. You have to find your own niche. You have to get all this information because again, um, uh, it's authenticity. People respond to that quite a bit. They don't respond to what you're saying per se. They respond to how you deliver it and how you breathe and live it, right? That's called authenticity. So if you try to do what I do, it's not going to come off as authentic for you. So even, even when I do new employer orientation for, for our day jobs, I, I always tell people, when you go in training, right, don't go emulating what the manager does, what this person does. You are the only person, Jennifer, you are the only person who knows how Jennifer is, how Jennifer talks, how Jennifer listens. You have to take this information and make it your own. Make it your own. And trust me, people will respond to that, especially with what we do. Right. We're not trying to sell $60 per, uh, purses. We're trying to sell high ticket items. So in order for you to go ahead and get this person on the other on the other side of the phone who might as well be on the other side of the world to trust you with 20 grand. Authenticity better be the first core value on top of your list right? so they can trust you. Mm-hmm. So authenticity is key, um, but you have to find your own and you have to make it your own, not find a spot there that that's already built. Hope that makes sense. No, it makes perfect Absolutely. sense, man. No, perfect sense. Well said. What's up, bro? Hey, Devon, send me your address. I'm going to send you no. uh, some batteries. No. <laughs> See, I already knew. No. <laughs> I'm going to send you some batteries. That little that little alarm keep going off. Yeah. You think it is mine? <laughs> and my wife hasn't been coming in here yet, so it ain't mine. So it's got to be Devon's. <laughs> so it is. But here's the thing, bro. I already popped it open. It doesn't take batteries. It's hardwired into um, into the townhome. You need a new house. <laughs> you just need a yeah, rip that thing off. Have them come fix it. Yeah, I got to put in a ticket. <laughs> put in a ticket, bro. Before we record Always next week. Always bring it back to work. We got to put in a ticket. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, man, so many, again, golden nuggets that you've dropped. I, I do want to ask, though, again, this is our, our session of Mentor by Adversity. Adversity in your life. What has adversity taught you about leadership? Maybe that you've gone through at an earlier age uh, in the in the Marine Corps. But what has adversity taught you about leadership that you you carry with you today, or that has affected and developed you to be the leader that you are today? So here's I'm going to get a little bit deep here. So follow me, okay? Right. Um, I I grew up religious. Um. I'm more spiritual now, right? Not not necessarily how because I grew up Catholic and look, I'm Puerto Rican. Puerto Rico, New York here, Catholic is there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went to to the to to the military, did a bunch of other things, and so now I have a different perspective in life. And the the thing about leadership and just 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 
the negative, not, I don't want to say the negative aspects, but as far as adversity is concerned, um, to me is how it, it, it's, it's quick to remind you that you don't know all the answers. You're not the best at anything. You, you, you are just a regular human being and you are going to make mistakes for somebody young coming up. It's hard, right? Cause when you think you got the, the bull by the horns, the, the bull kind of shows you, you're a little human. I'm a bull. Get out of my face. And actually in college, you know, it's funny. The one thing I learned in school is how much I didn't know. And just think about that for a second, right? Because before you go to school, actually as a kid, right, as a teenager, you think you know the world and you've ne- your parents have never been through whatever issues you're going through right now, Right. And you think you know everything. And, and before I went to college, I thought I knew everything. And I thought I, it was a humbling experience, right? Because college didn't necessarily taught me. Um, it didn't teach me different things, like different tangible products. It taught me how to think, how to research, mm-hmm. how to find information, how to analyze that, how to, how, to, how to think critically. So one of the things that really sticks to me um, is, is – I, I love negative experiences because it checks you, dude. It checks you. So I tell all, all of my students and everybody is don't be afraid of negative experiences. That will balance you. That will ground you. And you take those negative experiences and you handle them properly. You get healthy conflict, right? Respect for one another and have those conversations. And in and, and, and just the, that, that gut punch really resets that whole system for you to say, I don't know everything. So if there's anything that I'm taking is that I, I'm continuously learning. And the reason I brought up the whole religious piece is because I'm big into, into space right now. I'm reading a lot into, um, into astronomy, all the different galaxies out there. And you start thinking, God, all the things I'm worried about right now, and we're just a little tiny speck in life. And that puts everything into perspective. Uh, what's mm. really important and to me it's about being authentic and being just that human and folks there's nothing wrong with showing how vulnerable you are your associates your employees need to see that you would be surprised how much more they'll connect with you versus showing what a powerful person you are right but if you show that you've made mistakes and remember they're watching how you deal with those mistakes and how, more importantly, how you deal with people you normally don't get along with, but you do it just because a job has to be done, right? So again, that kind of sets you back. It recalibrates you, and you just it just it just teaches you to just be that human being. So to me, that's the one thing that I'm taking away with, and I hope my associates see it and my students see it. To be honest, more importantly, my son. I really want my son to because because he's seven, right? So I uh, I got a potty mouth. And uh, he's a he's a walking podcast recorder. And <laughs> <laughs> I have to watch out because not not to say my employees are my children, but it, it, it's my employees are watching. My kid is watching. So I, I constantly have to learn how to do things differently. Look, I, I don't have a manual on how to raise a seven year old. He's my only one. Right. So he's my trial and error. So I gotta make sure I do something right here. So, so I I just gotta make sure that every stage in his life, every stage in my career, every stage in my associate's career, you always have to keep that open mind and know that you don't always know everything, and it's okay for your associates to know that. It's also okay, and you, your associates should know how you deal with those adverse issues. 
they're watching. That sums up really the last two questions, man. Um, you know, you talked about how adversity has, you know, led you to kind of where you're at today and helped you develop. And I was going to ask for some words of advice uh, and being the podcast pro that you are, uh, you went ahead and, and provided that to to our legacy leaders. So thank you for that. Um, to uh, our good friend, Ricky Baez, again, owner of uh, Baez Co-Learning and co-host of HR Talk. Um, and when it comes to your company, if you're looking for HR with a twist. That's right. Hit up Ricky Baez. Um, Come look at me. Actually, yeah. we're on Twitter. We are on, oh my God, Twitter, Facebook. Could you believe we got a TikTok? <laughs> I've seen your TikTok. I have. Really? Because I have no idea how it works. So um, I it, it's I have. <laughs> I don't, I don't either. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I know that you're on there because I've seen some of yeah, your videos. So I'm on TikTok, uh, uh, Snapchat, that's still around, MySpace. I don't know. So we're in all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely MySpace. Put your MySpace code. And just MySpace. give it to us. <laughs> Talk to Tom. He'll tell you all about me. Um, no, look. If um, um, we are we we pride ourselves uh, to do HR differently, and there's nothing wrong in being yourself at work. There's nothing wrong in having fun at work as long as you do work. So it, it, it's it's we do start off by making sure the our clients know who they're going to hire, who they want to hire, who they want in their organization, who they don't want in their organization, then you lay that foundation. We do that in a live, vibrant environment, and that's what I believe sets us apart. Um, because, yeah, am I going to go in there in a suit, have a conversation? Yeah, but we're going to have real conversations. Not just, hey, answer this question. Hey, what's keeping you up at night? Who do you hate at work? Who do you love at work? Let's have those conversations and build that relationship. And then, we, again, we can help you move that needle from A to B. And the podcast is just, look, <laughs> we started the podcast just joking around. And it turned into, into this thing, right? <laughs> First, we had three listeners, my wife, my mom, and his mom. That's it. Um, and then now we're at 70,000. And I'm like, wow, people are listening. People are resonating. Um, and and, and so, so we got to keep this doing keep this going. So the whole podcast is just geared towards business leaders who are really looking to fully understand that HR is not personnel. HR of the future is this. It's being real. It's being authentic. It's being that leader, being that business partner, um, as well as, as, as where you want your associates to be in the future. If you don't like your associates having a good time, we're not your people. We're not. It's just not going to work. And I'm perfectly okay in saying no to that. But as far as the podcast is concerned, it really is for people. Uh, it's just two guys having a couple of drinks talking about HR issues without the the legal mumbo jumbo. It's HR for real people. And uh, we have a good time. Uh, PG-13 rated artist. Uh, pretty hard <laughs> for HR people to do that. Uh, but it's working. Three years strong. It's still going. That's awesome, man. Sorry for the no, plug, we definitely but uh, I just figured I'd jump. That's what no, that was good. I was going to ask, and again, you went right into it. So that was that was perfect. Uh, so again, with not sincerely, we we definitely appreciate uh, having you on, um, man. Just you know, to to remind our folks, don't misrepresent yourself. Don't misrepresent it yourself. Be yourself. Find who you are, and, and again, don't try to fit into the space, but make your own space with who you are and where you're at. Be a cheerleader for your people, uh, cheer them on, encourage them, and don't forget about the the H, the human part of human resources. Um, and uh, check 
no f bombs in interviews. Uh, make sure that yeah, you stay away from those. It worked. It worked for Ricky, but it probably for won't you. work no, wait, for you. I don't know if it worked. <laughs> 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 just don't, don't. Yeah, just don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. So for, to our legacy leaders out there, uh, number one, just to remind you guys, uh, go ahead and subscribe, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast, go ahead and leave us a review. We would sincerely appreciate that. Uh, hit the bell on the YouTube channel so you're always alerted about our videos. Um, second thing, go ahead and take that, that screenshot and uh, put it on your stories on Instagram, tag us at uh, legacy leadership, tag myself at coach underscore Jimmy G Jr., I see Ricky making faces. I'm dying. I can't. Is that enough? If you want to take a screenshot, this is it. <laughs> At this moment, right, right, right now. Right. <laughs> it's like the tag, my man. It's like right, the right. glamour shot. You know, like the glamour shots always look like. Yes, we got the background. <laughs> you always gotta like not look at the camera and the glamour no, shot. It has it like off center. Look away. Like, what's over there? What's over there? Oh, bubbles and seahorses. Okay. And that's the shot. One. <laughs> that's the shot. We're good. We're bubbles good. Um, Sorry. <laughs> last but not least, share. Share the podcast. Yes. Uh, with all your friends and family, uh, let them know about HR talk as well. Uh, I'm sure you're going to, uh, to love it. Uh, and if you don't still share it, cause somebody else might really appreciate it. Uh, and again, there was a lot of great nuggets that you were able to, to receive today. And I'm sure, uh, man, after three years, there's a whole bunch of episodes and a heap of some good laughs and some really good information about just being real in HR. So definitely check out HR talk as well. Uh, and again, share the legacy and leadership podcast to all of our legacy leaders out there. We appreciate you guys very much. Uh, stay tuned as we get into our next series. I think we're going to be taking it back and, and kind of really focusing on some leadership 101 aspects uh, as we round out the next three series leading up to our next uh, installment of Mentored by Adversity. Uh, so again, thank you, Devon, my co-host. Uh, thank you, Ricky Baez, again for joining us. It was definitely fun. Once every 10 years, man. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, we we gotta definitely gotta make it, uh, make it a, a habit next week. Oh, next week. Next week, yes. For our our listeners, we will be on HR Talk, so we'll let you guys know exactly when that's coming that? up. Um, but thank you again very much. This is Jimmy Gonzalez, your co-host of the Legacy and Leadership Podcast. Uh, until next time, Legacy leaders, God bless and stay encouraged. Have a good one. Take care. You have just listened to the Legacy and Leadership Podcast, hosted by Jimmy Gonzalez and Devon Watts. Thank you, and we hope that you live, lead, and leave a legacy worth remembering. Until next time.